Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 487. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. I'm Lorraine. Sink. Yeah, you are. How's it going? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's nice to see you. Unpacking your boxes, getting settled in in your place. It's a nightmare. Started- it's a nightmare. I'm drowning. I feel like the boxes are like slowly multiplying. Like I'll, they're like box gremlins, and they're just I come down and there's two more, and I'm like, how did you do that? They're like from Star Trek. What are they called? Tribbles. The trouble with tribbles. Right. Yeah. So this is this is us this week. We're uh, if you're just joining us, we're gonna get into some of this business. Yeah. We're also gonna talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, from games, comics, movies, TV, and what have you. It's good times. It's busy times. We had a big week for Marvel Studios this week. We got our first release date, the premiere date for Marvel Studios Loki, coming to Disney Plus on now we can say it, June 11th. If you have not yet, you should definitely go check out the exclusive clip. Uh, that was revealed during the Walt Disney Company's 2020 Investor Day presentation. You can watch that on Marvel.com or the Marvel social channels right now, along with a bit more information about the show. Yeah, I I actually just watched that again recently just because I was like, man, I'm excited for Loki. Yeah. And that clip is a ding dang delight. It's really good. That show is going to be fantastic. I'm living for the guy with silverware coming out of his helmet. Uh, yeah, it's me. I'm, I'm silverware man. <laughs> Plus, we're hearing a bit more about some of the folks that will be joining the cast. Of course, we saw a glimpse of Owen Wilson, but we are also seeing Gugu Mbatha-Ra, Sophia DiMartino, Wumi Masaku, and Richard E. Grant. Our director for the series is going to be Kate Heron, and Michael Waldron is the head writer. So excited to see everything Loki. Look out for it June 11th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Just good times, you know? Yeah. Disney Plus coming in hot, giving us all the good stuff. It's terrific. And you know what else is terrific, Lorraine? What's that, Ryan? Spider-Man! Yeah, yeah. And who doesn't love a little bit of goofiness around uh, revealing secrets? Because this week we saw that there was a little tease by three of the stars of the upcoming Spider-Man film, Tom Holland, Zendaya, and Jacob Batalon. Uh, They got up on their socials and they posted fake names for the movie. But thankfully, they weren't up for very long until we got the real one uh, alongside a really cute video Mm -hmm. of the three of them exiting director John Watts' office, uh, talking about how they don't know what the real title of the movie is yet. They won't tell him because Tom Holland spoils everything. It's really fun. You can watch it on the Spider-Man movie social pages, on Tom Holland's pages. But in that video, they reveal the proper, full, real title to the upcoming Spider-Man film, which is Spider-Man No Way Home. And of course, the movie arrives in theaters December 17th, 2021. Yeah, there's going to be so much Marvel goodness all ding-dang year long, including right now. By the time most of you are listening, we'll have had the Deadpool Nerdy 30 celebration, which was a hoot and a holler. So I'm, I'm glad anybody who could join us for that, be they Marvel Unlimited Plus members or Marvel Insiders or just plain old fans who forked over 20 bucks to join, Thanks for joining us. It was fun. Honestly, anyone who didn't join Marvel Unlimited Plus to watch that and just bought tickets, you messed up, dude, because (laughs) you could have had Marvel Unlimited basically included, but nope. Mm -mm. What are you going to do? Shade to you. Shade. So much shade. Oh, let's talk about the thing that everybody else is talking about. 
Marvel Studios' WandaVision. Yeah! Everyone is talking about this past week's episode because it had a great reveal in it. No major spoilers, but maybe a couple. Skip <laughs> listen, like listen with care. Three to five minutes ahead just to be perfectly safe. If you love that episode, you should definitely check out all of the Marvel must-haves that are inspired by Marvel Studios' WandaVision. You can check them out at marvel.com slash must-haves. And there's a bunch of cute stuff that we've talked about a bunch of, but we have our Monica Rambeau Funko, which is my favorite. Yeah, she looks dope. That's a very exciting time for monica fans right now and it's just it feels like it's only gonna get more as soon as the eyes went i was like ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah keep watching the show y'all it's great all right you know if you are caught up on marvel studios wandavision and you want some really cool behind the scenes stuff we do have a great interview another one on marvel.com with robert and Kristen lopez the songwriters who have been talking about the different songs they've put in the episodes well they have one that is very specific to episode seven. We're trying to dance around it, which is, I would say, a banger of a song. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's so amazing to just see all the memes about everyone singing this song in their head. This article is really wonderful. You should go check it out on Marvel.com because they have all of the songs and they talk about, you know, what was their inspiration for them, why they wrote them that way. Robert and Kristen Lopez sing most of those songs or perform most of those songs. I believe that the episode in the 2000s is sung by the lead singer of Bikini Kill. Yeah, I was just about to talk about it. Kathleen Hanna, I, which, you know, my wife is like a riot girl scholar like literally mm -hmm. phd with like she's she's done a lot so like we both lost our minds when we heard about that because i mean kathleen hannah is one of the most important names in riot girl and bikini kill and we both kind of went like cocked our heads when we were watching the episode together and there it was it's really really cool and i know we're dancing around this theme song but the one from this past week let me just tell you, there is someone who sings that song that is very surprising and is in the cast. So go read the article to find out who that is. Yeah, that's a cool detail. And that's the kind of stuff you get when you check out Marvel.com. On top of that, we have a couple more interviews, right, Lorraine? Yeah, we have Tiana Paris, who plays Monica Rambeau, as well as Kat Denning, who plays Darcy. Both have separate articles going up this week on Marvel.com talking about their process in the show. So go check those out. No spoilers, but they talk about, you know, some of the cool physical stuff Tiana got to do as well as all of the cool stuff Kat got to do. I'm just living for like Darcy and Jimmy and Monica mm -hmm. just as a little group, as the little Scooby gang, I'm so into. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty terrific. Speaking of terrific things, there was a new poster put out in coordination with the uh, arrival of one of the greatest television shows of all time, The Muppet Show, which is now on Disney+. Plus. So they made a cool WandaVision slash Muppet crossover poster that is wonderful. It's called Camilla Gonzo, and it is... It is wonderful. I just, man, it, it's spectacular. We watched just a little bit of the first episode of The Muppet Show because we got a brand new TV and it's like, I want to watch something from the early 70s to really show off the power of this very fancy TV. And it was, it was worth it. Worth every second of it. I just want to shout out Camilla and Gonzo as the couple most similar to WandaVision. I don't know why, but I just love that that's the love story for the ages. A man and his chick. 
<laughs> Indeed. Uh, so definitely check all that out. Of course, Marvel Studios WandaVision is on Disney+. Plus. We're getting close to the end, y'all. It's very exciting. It only gets better. Yeah, it really does. And of course, Disney Plus also has The Muppet Show. Yeah, so good. Go watch all the things. Mm -hmm. Also, we have more stuff because Marvel Method, the podcast that has been streaming on Sirius XM these past couple of months, is now available wherever you get your podcasts. So you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or, you know, basically all of the places. Yeah, it's awesome. The first episode has an interview with Method Man talking to DMC. Everybody can get it. Although for those of you who did join up on SiriusXM to hear all of our shows first and hear the exclusive stuff, don't worry. Lots more really mm -hmm. cool stuff coming just for you. Yeah, definitely check out Marvel Method too. It's a really great show. Method Man knows so much about Marvel and it's really cool just to hear him like geek out and talk fandom with fellow fans that are all awesome people themselves. So check it out. I'm sure you will enjoy. Yeah. And if you're on SiriusXM, of course, check out your other show, Lorraine, Marvel's yeah. Declassified. We've got episode nine right now. Yes. This is technically our season finale, although no spoilers. We might have a little something up our sleeves mm. yet as a little goodbye parting episode. But this final episode is now available on SiriusXM, and it takes us through the ages of Marvel fandom. And it's been a really interesting ride, you know, because obviously Marvel fandom, you know, Marvel used to just be like little magazines that people read and threw away and nobody really cared about or you just kind of maybe talked about it with your friend that you shared it with but that was kind of it and now we have cons with thousands of people and it's a crazy thing uh, so we really looked into how it evolved and why and all those twists and turns and we had some great folks we got to talk to like Joe Duffy George R.R. Martin is on the episode Dan Garino uh, Yaya Han a famous cosplayer so Evan Narciss my co-host and I just really had a blast and um, actually I brought a clip of him talking with Joe Duffy about her experience writing letters to Marvel. You know, if you know Joe Duffy's work, she was a very prolific writer here at Marvel and editor, but she was also an old school Marvel letter hack. She, as a kid, started writing letters and it fostered her love of comics. And she's a, as Ryan would say, a ding, dang delight. So check it out. Okay, here is what I think happened. I gravitated toward Peter Parker and Johnny Storm because they were kids. I could see going to school with them in a few years. And I liked a couple of the comics so well, I wrote fan letters, which I'd never done before. And surprise, surprise, the first two fan letters I ever wrote were published. And you want to talk about feeding an addiction? <laughs> I'm not only a fan, but I've got an in at the companies. They're reacting to my feedback. That's amazing. And by then I was realizing that you were probably right to be people who do the actual work. By then I'd put that much together. Right. You did think that Jack Kirby was friends with <laughs> Reed Richards. That is... But I'll bet he was. Yes, in his head. No. You what, go to the Baxter building right now. You ask Reed. He's going to tell you he and Jack were peeps from day one. Oh my God, you're killing me. What about your immediate cohort in high school? Did you ever have friends who were fans as well? Nope. Not really? remotely. I was completely alone. I know there were other comics fans because once when I was on stage for some bizarre reason during an assembly, somebody stole a bunch of comics out of the stack of books I left on my chair. So I'm like, okay, comic fans here, but not friends of mine, apparently. Wow, that's so messed up. So how did you eventually wind up connecting with kids who were into the same stuff as you? 
you know, there was no Facebook, no internet, no social media, but a lot of the letter columns printed your full return address. It, yeah. And by the way, hello, stalkers. Um, yeah, I can't believe they used to print people's full addresses. Exactly. Hey, I had stalkers show up at my house. Luckily, I still lived with my parents at the time, so no harm, no foul. But along with the occasional creepy stalker, I began to get letters from other people whose names I knew in the letter column, and we formed this little club. Wow, neat. And it was amazing because the group I was in was myself, Kim Thompson, who subsequently went to become one of the head guys at Fantagraphics and the yeah. Comics Journal, yeah. uh, Rob Rohde, who, you know, successful novelist now, Dean Mullaney of uh, Eclipse Publishing, yeah. and, you know, and occasionally Mark Grunewald. So suddenly we were all writing to each other. Wow, I love that. So other than making friends, did you feel like the letters that got printed had an impact with publishers? Uh, I now know they did. Because when I came knocking on the door saying hi um, to apply for a job, they're like, we know who you are. You're, you're the one who told me my taste was all in my mouth and that I don't know how to write women. <laughs> well, sorry about that, but hi, here I am. I love that, Lorraine. I also love any story about someone who writes letters to Marvel, gets involved with Marvel, or gets, you know, some bit of notoriety later on. Of course, you know, George R. R. Martin is a major famous one, but tons of Marvel creators have been down that path. I still, I have this idea about a, a show about the people who write the letters to Marvel. I have an idea in my head about it. Someday, I'll get Someday. to it. Also, it's wild because they used to print your full address in the <laughs> comics, which is, yeah. oh, wow, danger zone. Yeah. Nowadays, it's just like Bill, Mark okay to print. But of course, if you want to hear this episode of Marvel's Declassified, you can listen to the show on the SiriusXM app and the desktop player. Yeah, check it out, check it out, check it out. We also have some cool stuff for Marvel games. A lot of new characters coming to our mobile games. We have some updates coming about Marvel Future Revolution, brought to you by the same folks that created Marvel Future Fight. It is going to have two new playable characters added to this MMORPG for mobile. It looks sick. Uh, they have announced Storm and now Tony Stark. So keep looking out for more about Marvel Future Revolution coming to mobile. It's very exciting. Just a couple days ago, they also posted a new piece of key art for the for the game, which has got Captain America. It's got an awesome rendering of Captain Marvel, and she's got the short haircut, and it's all like flared up, and it, she looks so cool, and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. So cool things are happening for the game. Definitely get excited for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. All right. Next up, we have coming to Marvel Puzzle Quest, Dark Beast. He should be out by the time you're listening to this podcast, as well as over in Marvel Contest of Champions, we're going to have the Super Scroll. Mm. Mr. Soup, er, Scroll. First name Soup, <laughs> middle name R. Oh, boy. Lorraine, do you prefer milk chocolate or dark chocolate? If I'm honest with myself, milk chocolate. I now want to call regular beast milk beast and call dark beast dark beast. I'm into that. Yeah, we can get that passed through. Let me talk to the X-Men editors and see if we can get that pushed through. All right, let's change topics just a little bit because I want to talk about Marvel Legends a little bit. There was a Fan First Friday last week and a ton of really cool reveals. They actually revealed this line of villains characters. So you got Doom in his white outfit which yeah. looks tremendous. He looked really, really neat in that one. And then we got a Dormammu figure. We're getting a Hood figure, Deathstrike, Arcade. 
I mean, like, yeah. if you like boys in bow ties with really toothy grins, <laughs> Arcade's your man. We're getting the Scientist Supreme from Hydra, which is going to go great with your Hydra goons and your MODOK. All of them come together and you get the Build-A-Figure for Zemnu, terrific in Immortal Hulk over the last year or so. Just really cool, big monster boy. I love Zemnu. I actually messaged one of my friends at Hasbro and be like, that Zemnu looks amazing. And he's like, yeah, that's a deep cut, but we went for it. I'm very excited. All this to say the Hasbro stuff was great. I just got a couple of packages from Hasbro with the Stormbreaker, Marvel Legends you know, prop replica, which is just awesome. It's massive. I got Captain America shield based on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which looks gorgeous. I got a War Machine helmet. I got a Thanos Marvel Legends figure. And Dang. most importantly, I got Modoc. My MODOK is here. I've been so busy, I haven't been able to open him up, but I'm going to do an unboxing. Hopefully, by the time this episode is out, I will have posted it. He's just a sweet boy. Just the sweetest boy. He's just like a sweet little baby who will murder everyone. That's a, you know, that is what it is. I'm so excited for everybody to see Marvel's MODOK when it comes to Hulu. I get periodic updates from Jordan, one of the showrunners and co-creators, who's also co-writing the comic with Patton Oswalt. And... It's amazing. They do a parody of an 80s movie in one scene that is just mind-blowing. It's really good. Chef's can't kiss. wait. Yeah, can't wait. Another thing that we can't wait for is May, because May is going to have a bunch of comics. We've had some announcements over the last couple of weeks, and we figured we'd just wait until everything was out in public to tell you about it. One of the things that is cool that's out there, we're going to have a new series starring Reptile. Reptile is a character who first showed up in Avengers Academy, and he's a little dude who has got like reptile powers and he's great. Yeah, he's like a mullet. He's a human on top and reptile in the back. Yeah. Or the body. <laughs> yes. It's also cool cause he's a Latinx character, which I always like to see as, you know, the very white Colombian dude, but just like seeing more Latinx characters in our yeah. comics. Makes me happy. His name is Humberto Lopez. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, there is Shang-Chi number one, a limited series one of five. And this is by Jean Luen Yang, who has been working on Shang-Chi previously and is amazing. We had him on the show and he's incredible. Also, with art by DK Ruan, who's also been working on that other series with him. The cover work by Laniel Francis Yu, though, who is so beautiful. I mean, there's a bunch of variants as well. This variant by Super Log is also just gorgeous. These variants are sick. It's all about Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe. Of course, we've been talking about Heroes Reborn for a little while, but May is really when we get so much cool Heroes Reborn stuff. Issue number one and two and three and four of Heroes Reborn in May. But then you're going to have a lot of the cool tie-in books like Magneto and the Mutant Force, Young Squadron, Siege Society, Hyperion and the Imperial Guard, Peter Parker, the Amazing Shutterbug. Those are some of the books that are tied into Heroes Reborn. I'm very excited by this series. I know Jason has been really hyped about putting this together, Jason Aaron, the writer, so it's going to be super fun. Yeah, I'm really excited for Fantastic Four number 32, which is called Bride of Doom, which is going to be amazing. I wish that would have come out before I got married, so I could have put that on all of my 
like tables. Of course, by Dan Slott with Gorgeous Art by R.B. Silva. It's going to be New Bride of Doom. Mm-hmm. The Human Torch and his love story with his first wife, Crystal, going to be all tied into that. There's going to be some punching and hitting and clobbering going on. And, you know, Dr. Doom's going to be Dr. Dooming. I just, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for this twisty turn. And I always love when someone's like, you shall be my bride. Yeah. It's like ultimate villain stuff. (laughs) It really is. This also, the May issue of Fantastic Four number 32 kind of kicks off the big 60th anniversary celebration for FF. And there's a really cool piece of promotional art by Valerio Schiti that went out, which has Doom side by side with his bride and has the wedding party. And they're all like, lad, Namor has got his half shirt on. He's looking super duper terrific. You got Kang and a bunch of other characters in there. And it's really the 60th anniversary of Fantastic Four celebration is going to be going on throughout the year. I'm very excited for it. I think it's cool. This year has got good anniversary juice with cap and ff yeah i mean basically the next two three years because let's mm-hmm. let's be honest that like 61 to 63 64 mark everybody was like you get a character and you get a character <laughs> that's right also everybody getting a character we've got x corp number one which is a new launch for the x-men books it's by teeny howard and art by Alberto Fochi, uh, with a gorgeous gorgeous cover by david aha who we don't get to see do a lot of marvel work these days so that right there is just reason enough to jump in. But this is cool. This book has been in the works for a while and it's about sort of the businessy side of the X-Men with Monet and Angel. But there's some cool subterfuge and darkness around all of that, which I'm jazzed for. I love me some Teeny Howard. She is legally the best. That's binding. (laughs) Next up, we have X-Men Curse of the Man-Thing number one. This is by Steve Orlando with art by Andrea Brocardo. And it is great. It's got Man-Thing and magic on the cover. In celebration of 50 years of Man-Thing, we're getting into the third part of the Curse of the Man-Thing story. And Man-Thing's curse has been revealed. But, you know, now it's under new management. So there's going to be a whole twist there. And we're going to get some magic. So everybody's happy. Yeah. Oh, uh, before I forget, you were talking about Teeny Howard. Teeny wrote the King in Black Wicked and Hulkling uh, book that comes out next week. And it's about their honeymoon. It's so good. It's so good. It's teeny just going wild and having a blast. It's really, really good. Highly suggest you check it out. I know she loves those characters so much, so I can't wait to read that. Yeah. I believe we've talked about Fantastic Four Life Story previously, Mm -hmm. but that'll be launching in May. And we've got new issues of a lot of X books as we're getting closer to the Hellfire Gala. Just lots of really cool stuff coming in May. May's, you know, you, you think about like, Big comic book season, summertime, movies, all that stuff. So I think we're going to get some really fun stuff this summer. Yeah, and definitely keep an eye out for Marauders number 20. That's going to be a great issue by Jerry Duggan and Stefano Caselli. You know, preparations are happening for that Hellfire Gala that Ryan was talking about. So definitely keep your eyes on that book. And look out for Thanos Quest Marvel Tales number one. Uh, You can go pick up a copy. It's by Jim Starlin and Ron Lim. It's a classic. It's one of my favorites of all time, Lorraine, of all time. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many iconic moments that are in those comics. And now you can get them in the Marvel Tales format, which is great and very nice and accessible to be able to grab and pick up. 
And you know, Ryan, there's one book we have not talked about yet. It came out this week. It's called Marvel's Voices Legacy Number One. Yeah, it is. It's really terrific. It's got stories that are really funny. There are action-packed stories, really touching stories. Got a ton of great characters, amazing creators, and it's part of Marvel's celebration of Black History Month. Great pieces of content and things, and across the entire Walt Disney Company been celebrating this month. And this is a great piece of content for anybody who wants to check it out. Yeah. And so, of course, we wanted to talk to our friend and co-host, host of the Marvel's Voices podcast and friend to us and all, Angelique Rocher. She worked on the book. It is a Marvel's Voices book. And she, of course, is part of the Marvel's Voices podcast. She's also part of the Women of Marvel podcast. And she's just really great. She's my friend. So I'm a big fan. Ryan, unfortunately, had to be somewhere else at the time. So I got to have her all to myself. So listen to us at our slumber party. (laughs) (laughs) I am here with one of my all-time favorite people, one of my dear, dear friends, Miss Angelique Rocher. Hello. Welcome. Hello, Lorraine Sink. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I miss you. I miss <laughs> I miss getting to see you. You hopped across the country for a hot sec, so I don't get to see you as much. I also hopped further north, so that's also a thing. But I'm glad we can meet again this way, at least. Thank goodness for the interwebs and for video conferencing capabilities. Absolutely. So I'm going to grill you today. I will take no prisoners. I'm going to learn all of your secrets. Just kidding. I already know them. I was about to say, don't you already know all of my secrets? I know where the bodies are, y'all. Um, let's start with with your Marvel origin. What got you into comics? What got you into Marvel? Oh, man. So two different stories, actually. I got into comics two different ways. One, my dad gave me my first comic, Christmas 1992, I remember the room, I remember the moment, I remember going, Dad, you've never given me a comic before, I'm very confused, but this is awesome. I was nine years old, and it was actually not a Marvel comic, it was a Seminole comic, though, it was the trade paperback, let's put it that way, TBP, of The Death of Superman, and it was the first release, Mm. I still have it, it is still in my short box right next to me that you can't see off screen in a plastic bag, because I was a monster when it came to how I treated my comic books as a child. I'm so impressed that you bagged and boarded your comics at such a young age. (laughs) You're so nice to me, it's in a Ziploc bag, and I keep that (laughs) Ziploc bag intentionally to remind myself how not to take care of comic books. But I learned the ways of Marvel Comics actually from about two years later from my now brother-in-law, then my sister's boyfriend, who is a huge X-Men fan. And my parents used to drop me off at my sister's college. She went to UNO in New Orleans. My parents were big Saints fans. So they dropped me off during the game. They go to the game. And then I would learn about video games, pizza, and comic books from my now older siblings. And I just remember just digging through X-Men comics when I was 11 and it was about the same time where I was like, oh, these are the characters from the animated show I watch. And so it just all kind of clicked for me. And then I just delved into the movie universe. Howard the Duck was my first one. Angelique, I am so obsessed with Howard the Duck. I fully troll Ryan with this, how much I love this movie, but- It's a duck playing a guitar, dude. It's a duck playing a guitar. And we're like kid enough that it 
you're like, a duck playing guitar and in a relationship with an adult woman? No problem. His girlfriend was a, A, they were all, they were all badasses and I was here for it. Also, it was like, what do you mean you got sucked from a planet full of anthropomorphic ducks? What? What? A whole planet of ducks? And we have duck nudity, so... (laughs) 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 Never to be forgotten from that film. I never knew that I could be so uncomfortable with a duck naked because they're all naked, but this was weird. You hit it on the head. I was like, I don't know if I was more uncomfortable with the duck wearing clothes or not wearing clothes. (laughs) It's a fine line. It's really a fine line. Um, You've had, I mean, God, your life has been really, really fascinating. You're kind of like a superhero because I feel like you have this alter ego where you went to law school and became an attorney and you worked in politics and you were a campaign manager and now you have this whole other alter ego that's like hosting for various geek companies and writing and producing and creating content. What encouraged you or inspired you to follow your geeky, geeky dreams? It might sound lame, but I had really amazing friends like you. A lot of folks don't know we didn't meet after I worked for Marvel. We after actually met before I worked for Marvel. But for me, what really did it is this idea that stories are so important and storytellers are really important and bringing people joy is really important in a way that they can relate to it. And I woke up one day and I was like, yo, this has been great. Like I did what everybody thought was success, which was dope because everybody's definition of success is different. But I was like, it first started happening when I left the Obama campaign there was a website created called Black Girl Nerds. And I remember being in my office in North Carolina, writing a letter to Jamie Brodno, who was the creator of Black Girl Nerds and going, I love what you're doing. This is absolutely amazing. I've never seen anyone do this before. How can I write for you? And long story short, because this always happens to me, I'm in another country. For those of you who know who my Marvel's Voices story is <laughs> like, I'm in another country and I get this email. Um, and it really, I was in London and I got an email from, from Jamie and she was like, you know, submit a sample. And I remember it was 30 nerdy Doctor Who ex librarian. It was some long title. And it was just talking about what it meant to grow up and see people who looked like me in stories. One of my favorite nerdy sci-fi shows was Red Dwarf because two of the main characters were people of color. And I was like, whoa, and you're British? I'm so confused. Never seen this before. Wow. And so that, long story short, kind of spiraled. And eventually I got the opportunity to join the team at Marvel and uh, didn't really look back from that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you've done so many things since you came on a few years ago. I will always remember meeting you at my little comedy show. I hosted a comedy show called Co-Ed Geek Girl Slumber Party. (laughs) So good. And that was how we met. Uh, You were one of my guests. See, I'm really surprised you came back to talk to me on a show again because I was not kind to you the first time. I embarrassed you. I put you on the line, and that's what we're here to do again today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here. I'm committed. Let's do this. All right. Uh, No. Okay. I'll be nice. I'll be nice. So you have come to join us at Marvel. Now, today, what are some of your favorite characters in the Marvel Universe and some of your favorite stories? 
I don't get to say this enough. I love Glob Herman. It's one mm. of my favorites. I like a good, weird, ostracized character like Glob. He's just nice. He's a good, nice character. Uh, Monica Rambeau, clearly, everybody knows that. I say it all the time. I'm a huge Gambit fan, which is not a popular opinion. Not a lot of folks like Gambit. Ryan would be really mad. He's a shady gentleman, but you guys are are both from Louisiana. Ding, ding. So there's the connection. I'm not a fan of Scott Summers, though, which is also where me and Ryan part ways. Oh, no. I'd like to call This Week in Marvel the Anti-Cyclops podcast. So. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Look. I'm not going to go down that path, but I got feels. Um, I love a good Riri Williams. I'm a big fan of a lot of the obscure characters like Ace Spencer. I'm a huge Prince fan. Actually, one of my first comic books after my first comic book was a unauthorized Prince biography comic. And it was by Rock and Soul. And one side was Prince and the other side was George Clinton. So, yeah. So I, I have an, a number that I really, truly love. I love a good Miles Morales. But, like, the whole champion squad, big, huge fans. So, yeah. I, I got a number. I know you are always, like, tracking something. Is there a comic run or some Funko Pops? Or, like, what are, what are you buying right now? That's what I really want to know. What are you on the hunt for? Oh, so right now I am holding out for some pre-orders that I know that are coming down the pipe on Funkos. Uh, if anyone knows me has ever seen the background on any of my shoots, you will see that I have a ton of Funkos. I am gushing over every single one of the WandaVision Funkos, including yes. I really love the black and white ones. Mm -hmm. So I study TV a lot. So like my thesis in college was about African-Americans and comedy, like from 1950s, 2000, and whenever I graduated, we're not aging myself right now. <laughs> and I really, truly, like, I honestly love 1950s, 1960s, particularly sitcoms. And so those Funkos, perfection. So I'm also trying to complete my Roger Stern Avengers run from the 80s. Oh, nice. I'm almost there. I am a single issue girl when it comes to that. And so when I moved to the West Coast, I left most of my comics with my nephew, who is now a budding comic book fan. I'm very proud of him. But we brought all of the Roger Stern run and anything with Monica in it because that's who we are. Yeah. No, I know. As soon as they showed that, you know, sword necklace, the Monica necklace, I was like, yeah, Angelique's wearing it literally right now. <laughs> I know who I am. I live my truth. Your brand is strong. It's fine. I admire that. Also, congratulations are in order. You joined Women of Marvel. I guess it's been for a while now. What has it been like joining the Women of Marvel? It's great. Judy, Ellie, and I were all kind of just discussing how we're all just very different and our brands mm. are very different as people. But then we get to like bring folks in like you, part of the original team on Women of Marvel, and just have these conversations about what we love and what we like and bringing fans in is one of the best things about this job is people geeking out and enjoying and loving and feeling a part of the Marvel universe because it really is the world outside your window. And so mm -hmm. it's been fun. I love getting a chance to spotlight women and non-binary folks who are in the space, but also just talk from a perspective of women who love the Marvel Universe constantly. It's great. 
Yeah, I love whenever I get to hop over and hang out with you guys. It's really cool. And what you guys talk about is always awesome. But we would be remiss, of course, if we didn't talk about Marvel's voices. Marvel voices was sort of just like a sparkle in Marvel's eye in back in the day. I know we did some sort of stuff where it'd be like Marvel's voices on Women of Marvel. But now it's a whole ding ding podcast. How did Marvel's Voices come about and how did you become a part of it? That is really awesome. I am glad you segued there because Marvel's Voices, as you just kind of mentioned, was like a brainchild of women of Marvel, right? It was this really amazing thing that was spawned by Judy and Sana. And they had decided, you know, we need to spotlight people of color within the Marvel universe. Like, how do we continue to paint the full picture of all of the folks who have come together to build this incredible continuity, multiple continuities, depending on who you are. And how do we build that? How do we bring those folks together and amplify their voices? And so I was in another country and I got an email. This is, again, how all my nerd stories start. And we came in and they were like, we want to start this show that spotlights people of color, creators of color and fans of color. And I was like, heck yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. And the rest is history. Speaking of people that are suddenly in, uh, Ryan Panagos and his mustache have invaded yes! the chat. Yes! One, the shirt, solid. Two, the stash, amazing. Three, I miss you so much. Miss you too. I'm only coming in briefly to, to say hi. Love you both. I'm sad I can't be here for this whole record. I do want to hear more about the story. Even though I've probably heard it, we've talked and hung out many times, Angelique. Uh, are you playing any video games right now? I am replaying The Last of Us 2 because I am a glutton for punishment. I don't oh, know man. why I decided to do this again, but I'm almost done. It's fine. You like to cry. <laughs> I played the first time two weeks. I have been replaying the game since last August because it has taken so much out of me. But Oof. in between playing that game, I am replaying Miles Morales. I am playing Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales again on New Game Plus, which is even better the second time around. Nice. Story's so good. And my, my niece got me on Animal Crossing. Doesn't it stress you out when it gets dark? <laughs> yes. So I then go to my Oculus and I play my Oculus and I pretend like it's day in everything that I play. We are the three of us, true nerds. All of us have Oculus. Yeah. If you would have told me that when I was 12 years old, I would have cried of happiness, but also thought you were lying. <laughs> Amen to that. All right. I got to go. I've got to help out with the baby. I'm sorry both for interrupting and sorry for leaving, but you are both the wonderfulest. And I'll talk to you later. Aww. We'll miss you, Ryan. Miss you too. Bye. Bye. All right. Now that that guy's gone. <laughs> that dude. This Deadpool shirt that I also own. If folks don't know me and Ryan, me and Ryan twin a lot. <laughs> yep. Facts. <laughs> Big facts. I'm glad that he made it in today, though, because we were talking earlier today and he was like, I'm not going to be able to make it to the interview and I'm going to be so sad to miss Angelique. So I'm glad that he came in and did a little like Zoom bomb on the on our, on our chat. All right. Back to Marvel's voices. I'm here to grill you, Angelique. I'm ready. This is what law school prepared me for. Let's do it. So there's been some great new episodes. What can you tell us about? 
some of your favorite new guests that you've had and things you've talked about this season? Yo, so we've had some really dope folks on. We had Roxanne Gay on. Icon. Nick Stone. Icon. Uh, Jean, who wrote the miniseries for Shang-Chi, which you have not read. Oh, Jean Luen Yang. He's amazing. We had him on This Week in Marvel too. <sighs> that whole miniseries and just the amount of food made me quite happy. <laughs> and baked goods. Uh, yeah. It's like, mm, we had a good conversation about the importance of food in culture, which was really dope. And, you know, the other thing that we've been working on is we have Marvel's Voices Spotlights that are on Marvel.com. And so we had Alyssa Wong on the show, but we also had her come in and write this really dope essay about her connection to Dr. Afra and how it was such like an amazing opportunity to get a chance to write her and to write an AAPI queer character. And so that's been really dope too, is that we've had a lot of the folks who've been on the show also come in and like do their own kind of, because they're brilliant writers, right? Like their own kind of personal testimony of the importance of these characters existing in space. Right. It's been really, really, really dope. There's a couple still coming out, Rebecca Roanhorse, who is a brilliant fantasy writer. Jeffrey Verge, Wishoyo Alvitri are all going to be on an episode talking about Indigenous Voices. So Marvel's Voices, Indigenous Voices, number one, came out last November. Uh, it was beautiful. Jeffrey's just one of the most talented artists. I mm. just, It's just insane. And so Jeffrey actually breaks down like where his art comes from, how he studied it, what Indigenous art he uses in his line drawings. And it was pretty incredible so lots of good stuff coming down the pipe yeah but that's uh that's not the only thing coming out angelique we have marvel's voices legacy number one congratulations the book comes out on february 24th how do you feel now that it's like done basically it's done it's crazy and like i can't take even a quarter of or a tenth or a 164th of the credit for it like huge shout out to will moss and Sarah Bronsted, who have been like really spearheading internally, all the folks in new media who have been like helping to do like the cross effort on this. But this lineup for Marvel's Voices Legacy number one, Ken Lashley, John Ridley, Tochi, Stephanie, Danny, like I'm I'm like, they're all friends. So it's so weird because you, you talk to them so much and then you see their incredible work. You're talking about Domino, Storm, Riri Williams, like Monica Rambeau, all of the characters we know and love. And it's so good. You can tell that every single one of the writers love comics, right? Like from Nettie Akorafor to Tochi's story about Domino, which was, it's going to be insane. I'm trying not to put any spoilers out there, but I've read the scripts. I've seen the pages. I've read the stories. And I'm just so excited for folks to pick up this book. Yeah, like you said, there you know there are several of these now. Um, you've got like essentially a whole line going on. Could you tell us a little bit about how Marvel's Voices sort of transitioned into being this anthology comic, and you know how it came about and what it is? Oh yeah, so Marvel's Voices started off as a podcast, as you mentioned, and one day someone was like, "Hey, yo, Chris Robinson wants to talk to you," who was an associate editor at the time, working in the X Men office. And they were like, hey, Chris wants to talk to you about this book. And I was like, book? What? Book? 
Okay, cool. So Chris and I worked together for, you know, the next couple of months really putting together. I worked mostly with the journalists and the artists on essays that accompanied the first book, which is kind of how we got the Marvel's Voices Spotlights on Mm Marvel.com. And Chris worked mega hard putting together this wonderful, like, from David Walker to Roxanne Gay, incredible piece that came to life. And the community really really jumped behind it and supported Mm -hmm. it. It was pretty incredible. We had a book release party. Folks showed up, you know, Rob Markman. And this is a cool thing. Every writer gets to choose what character they're going to write. And that's something that I think is really unique about this anthology is that people aren't approached and said, hey, I want you to write a Darwin story or, hey, I want you to write an M story. They're like, what do you want to write? This is an anthology. This is what the anthology is about. And It's so amazing seeing folks' passion for these characters come across in five, six, seven, eight pages Mm -hmm. and just come together. And it's anywhere from social political work to just domino ransacking and being a merc. Like, (laughs) it is really cool. And in particular, there's one particular story in here that I I really, really love, which is a Riri Williams story that also spotlights Kamala Khan and Shuri because it's also these moments these windows it's almost a space between the panels Mm -hmm. where we get to see a little bit more of the real life moments from our favorite characters and it's it's really incredible oh I can't wait to pick it up so obviously you know anthologies are great because you can fit in a lot of pages but why did you guys ultimately want to do sort of an anthology style book The thing about Marvel's Voices that I love and the reason why that I'm so glad it's an anthology and why this was the pathway forward is that it gives us an opportunity to bring in established folks, the Nettia Korafors who had an amazing run on Shuri, Eisner Award winning, like brilliant Mm -hmm. writer. Yeah, she's incredible. And like Stephanie Williams, who is a brand new writer to Marvel, but is a super fan, like her grasp of comics knowledge is insane and it gives them this opportunity to whether it is you know just have fun Mm -hmm. and not have 22 pages to worry about or four times 22 pages to worry about or it gives them an opportunity to kind of get their feet wet because the other thing i love about marvel's voices is that there are established writers and there are established artists, but there are also new writers to Marvel that participate. And it's the same thing on the variant covers. So we have new artists on the variant covers, new colorists on the variant covers. And when you do an anthology like this, it gives folks really an opportunity to showcase their talent and also like get introduced in the Marvel world without mm-hmm. being like, hey, we got this ongoing series for Wolverine. Do you think you can do it? No pressure. <laughs> Um, so it's really dope that we get to do it like that and we get to give people that opportunity to walk into it the other cool thing about Marvel's Voices and I I gotta shout this out the majority of the creators on this book are women love that it strikes me that there's gonna potentially be like a whole generation of younger creators now that someday are gonna be like oh yeah I, I got my first like mainstream book in Marvel's Voices that's so crazy. I love it. Well, and that's that's the whole core of Marvel's voices, right? It's not just the spotlight, the diverse creators who currently exist within the Marvel universe. It is also 
to bring in new voices, particularly folks who are like, you know, I just had a great conversation with one of the writers like not two hours ago. And just to hear about that person talk about their journey and their path and what got them into Marvel and award winning novelist being like, oh no, this is like, this is the dream. Like I wrote for Marvel. And you're just like, I'm just happy to be a fly on the wall for it. Yeah. And also, I should say you are more than a fly on the wall. You know, you mentioned sort of what your process was like early on, but I know that role has definitely grown as these books have grown. What is your role in the process like? Can you say? (laughs) Oh, man. So I am very privileged and very lucky that my role in new media has expanded out into publishing. I am a consultant on all the books, which is... God bless Sarah and Will for being amazing human beings. I also, when I see folks and I think folks are great, like I send them that way. Like I have this opportunity to read the stuff before it happens. But also I've had the opportunity to come in and really be part of a lot of the culture shifts in the comic book industry because of Marvel's voices, because of the creators who have rallied behind Marvel's voices as not just a brand, but as like, a symbol for bringing folks in and elevating folks and giving folks a space. And so I work with Sarah and Will. I review scripts. I get excited about pages. And I also have the opportunity to figure out how do we, and to work with the new media team and go, how do we spotlight the artists more? How do we spotlight the book more? How do we make sure that time and attention and the story is being told, not just the stories in the book, but the stories about the book? are told and it's an honor like honestly just to see these creators be able to create and do the things they love and help give them that space so that little Lorraine and little Angelique and little Tochi and little Stephanie out there who are 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old who are picking up their first comics can see that they can do this too and that's that's just awesome. So Now I feel like I have to ask if there are young creators that are out there that are also looking to cut their teeth, you know, they want their voices to be heard. Do you have any advice for them or a good way to walk the path? (laughs) One, there is no right way to walk the path. We all have a different way. I think the one thing you got to have is passion and the desire to work for it. Two, we've had some really cool episodes, actually, of Marvel's Voices this season, particularly for artists. We interviewed uh, Code, also known as Boss Logic, and Luciano Vecchio, who were both artists from other countries, and talked about their process and how they got in. And we actually had Ricky Purden come in and talk about his process and how he finds new artists. And so I would also like go to resources like that, as well as, you know, for those writers out there. And this is the other privilege of being able to do Marvel's voices that you hear so many different paths, right? So like as Stephanie Williams, who's a journalist who was like, nah, I'm going to create my own comic book and I'm going to figure it out, comes out with Living Heroes, which is basically a spin, a living single with Marvel characters, right? And then you've got folks like Tochi, who is a novelist, and Saladin Ahmed, who is a novelist, and you've got folks like Javier Guerron, who's also on Marvel's voices this season, who 
Javier's story, which was also spotlighted in Marvel 616 in Amazing Artisans, is just incredible. Like, he remembers the first time he picked up a comic book. He remembers drawing Donald Duck over and over and over and over again, right? And I think the one thing all of them have in common is that they stuck with it. They kept going. Even like Nettie Akorafor's story of being almost like adult professional athlete and then ended up almost being paralyzed and in the hospital learning how there needed to be more people of color in sci-fi. Like all of their stories are different than all of them hit that stride at a different point. Like Tochi, who I keep mentioning, is a civil rights lawyer who turned into a novelist and sold his first book when he was working as a young attorney. But they all stuck with it. They all found their group, like Natasha Bustos, who's known for Spider-Woman and Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur, and also did one of the variant covers for Marvel's Voices Legacy Number 1. Her first book was Chernobyl. It was a graphic novel <laughs> that she will tell you. like She's like, oh, no, I don't recommend anyone do what I did. But she has literally a group. She has, uh, for lack of a better word, a tribe of artists in Spain that all work together and are a part of a collective, right? And they stuck with it. And so I don't, I don't know if any of that makes sense, but like at the end of the day, it's just like, know your stuff, practice your craft, and just go for it. And don't wait for anybody to tell you you're good enough. <laughs> That's very real. Oh, Angelique, it's always so wonderful to talk to you. I love you and I miss you and I value you as my friend. Before we go, please tell everybody where to check you out and to listen to your shows that are all fabulous. Aw, thank you. Uh, so you can listen to Marvel's Voices and Women of Marvel wherever you listen to podcasts, but also on Sirius XM. You can find me on the interwebs at Angelique Roche on the Twitters and Angelique Roche on the Grams. I'm also on TikTok. I'm really just there for Harry Potter and Disney TikTok. It would be very real. Oh, and Star Wars TikTok. Yeah. I love you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Of course, pick up Marvel's Voices Legacy Number One in comic shops this week. Yes. Very excited. Pick it up. Support your local comic book stores. Yeah. All right. Big thanks again to Angelique for coming on the show, talking about all the wonderful stuff that y'all talked about and continuing to do really great work with Marvel's Voices. Yeah, 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 yeah. So fun. Very fun. Also very fun is an interview that we have next week. Our guest is going to be Tom Scholey, who is the author of Jack Kirby, The Epic Life, The King of Comics. I love this book so much. I'm a big fan of Tom's work to begin with. We'll be talking with him next week about that book and really honoring Captain America's 80th anniversary and all kinds of stuff. And with that in mind, I'm sure we're going to be talking about Captain America a ton over the year. Simple question of the week is... What is your favorite modern Captain America story? So something in the last, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years, maybe? In the year 2000 and late. <laughs> in the year 2000 and late. That's a good one. I think for me, it's the introduction of the Winter Soldier. You know, Ed Brubaker and crew were just like, that was money, baby. Right? Isn't that a, from a TV movie? Yes. That's from a movie? I heartily agree with that. I went back and read those issues a month or two ago mm. and I was just like wow killing the game all over the place it's so emotional 
while being really action-packed and you know just fraught with feels it's just great comics yeah there's also a really great the rick remender and yeah. john romita jr did the dimension z storyline mm-hmm. so good such a heartbreaker there's there's really great captain america comics that have come out the last 15 years you want to know what else what's that captain america sam wilson oh yeah some of that stuff oh mark wade and chris samney on captain america i mean look there's, oh yeah there's lots of really great stuff to yeah. pick from so we want to hear from you your favorite modern like really modern from the what did you say it was 2000 and late yes 2000 and late you can tweet your answers using hashtag this week in marvel email them to twin podcast at marvel.com or send a message to our facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in marvel please make sure you tell us it is okay to read on the show so that way we can read it on the show yeah that's how it works so last week we asked you guys what stories you were all looking forward to in marvel's voices legacy number one and this first tweet is from the Kwai Prince at Colin J, who said, I'm super excited for Marvel's Voices Legacy's Domino story because I just love her swagger. She's so cool. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Yeah. I mean, and it is a great story. I also want to give special twin points to Kwai Prince for using the apostrophes yes. in that Marvel's Voices Legacy's Domino story, putting them there properly. Not everybody would do that. Thank you for the attention to detail, Colin J. Ryan's living for the grammar. Sometimes. Sometimes. We've got a tweet in here from Devon Cohn at DevMonsta1 answering a previous question of the week. They say, King T'Challa is the man meant to be with Storm. And the limited series Storm by Eric Jerome Dickey and David Yardin answered this question for me years ago. They post a picture of the limited series. Great, great story back there, which kind of detailed their early relationship, not like relationship, but how they first became connected and pals, friends, and then kind of like sparked the romance that would blossom later on. Yeah, we we had asked, I think the week before about who was your OTP with Storm and, you know, everybody is saying Black Panther, but I, I do, I do stand a Wolverine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, let's be honest, yeah. it's pretty great. I mean, a goddess and a king, that's just... It's just right. No rules, just right. What is that slogan for? Outback Steakhouse. God damn it. (laughs) No rules, just right, Marvel. All right. (laughs) Next up, we have this one from Fran O'Reilly at Shady09, who said, just caught St. Bodie on the This Week in Marvel podcast, and her laugh is super contagious in all the right ways. I heartily agree. She is just... A literal ray of sunshine. Definitely. We got another one here from Martin Quibell at Martin Quibell. Now listening to the This Week in Marvel. Congratulations on the adoption coming through, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, it's it's real. It's wonderful. So the end. Good. This next one is from the Tech Lord at Lex Pendragon, who says, This Week in Marvel. First, congrats on the legalization of Catherine Grace. Write that date down Learn to write, then write that date down. You'll want to celebrate it annually. I think that part's for Catherine Grace. Yeah, yeah. She's, you know what? She's working on it. When she wants to hear the alphabet song, she says A. She goes A, A, and then we sing the alphabet song. And so she's learning her letters at 17 months. It's great. So smart. They go on to say, next, I was listening to the podcast during my morning workout when Lorraine tells me, 
we all need to get more exercise in the middle of jumping jacks giving you a side eye. <laughs> also, Lorraine's quiet comment of coffee as the perfect breakfast landed perfectly. And I still <laughs> signed up for the Tough Mudder Avengers Challenge. 10 miles in this weather, better take a big bottle of water filled with mead. Asgard better have a fire going when I get there. Uh, please don't send yourself to Asgard. Don't meet any Valkyries. Just, you know, work out safely, stay hydrated, and have fun. Drink lots of coffee. That's what I would do. I haven't run outside in a long time. Oh. Yeah. No, the last time I went outside, I almost fell down because it's so icy. Oh. So I will be not running until it thaws. I know. All right. That wraps it up for us this week. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Alexis Williams, Zachary Goldberg, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And special thanks to Nexus. All my exes live in Nexus. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs>